0: Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today we have the audio from our July 2017 podcasting meetup where we talked about how to grow a fandom with Erica Ensign, a member of the six-woman supergroup behind Verity, a feminist podcast about Doctor Who, and the creator of many other podcasts seen and heard in Edmonton is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB and you'll hear more about ATB and the podcast network itself later in the show and now on with the meetup Now we're going to turn our attention to our guest today. So Erica Ensign is the co-founder, co-host, and technical producer of Verity, which is a feminist Doctor Who podcast that won a Parsec Award in 2016. Mm -hmm. Correct, yes. She does another Doctor Who podcast called Lazy Doctor Who with her husband Stephen and participates in various other nerdy podcasts on the Incomparable Network, which is based in the States. Are you, like, Mm -hmm. they're only Canadians? Um, or Canadian well, residents?
1: Th- not quite. Actually, there's there's uh, somebody from Montreal, and I think that might be it. And then there's the guy from North Carolina that everybody, for some reason, thinks is from Canada.
0: Wow. <laughs> Poor Chip. <laughs> um, Erica's most recent contribution to the incomparable is Beginner's Puck, which is a podcast for hockey fans, new and old. She co-produced Uncanny's uh, Uncanny Magazines podcast. You still co-produce it, correct? Yes. With Stephen,
1: although lately Stephen's done more of the work than I have. I okay. will admit.
0: But it won a Hugo in 2016, so that's kind mm-hmm. of a big deal. It is. Uh, Erica and Stephen also have a podcast production company called Castria, which helps me with this very show. Please welcome Erica. <clears throat> So we're going to talk about cultivating fans and also being a fan. And I feel like your fandom led you to podcasting.
1: So Mm -hmm. tell me that story. Oh, 100%. I didn't really even know quite what a podcast was and started listening to the Nerdist podcast, you know, one of the the big ones. And uh, the host of that and one of the other uh, fellows who I followed on Twitter who writes for the Nerdist were both interviewed on an episode of... Radio Friscaro, uh, Stephen's podcast. And I was like, oh my God, there's a whole podcast devoted to Doctor Who. This is amazing. Little did I know at the time there were already like 80, but <laughs> but I didn't know that. So I was really excited. So I started listening to that and then following all of those guys on Twitter and discovering this amazing um, fandom community on Twitter who were fans of not only Doctor Who, but Doctor Who podcast. And Kat was one of my, my first Twitter friends back in those days. And it was like finding a family that I didn't know that I had. And because of that, uh eventually kind of started listening to so many podcasts and talking back to my phone as i was listening (laughs) i'm sure you guys understand how that works uh that i was like i just i i wish that i was doing this so when the opportunity came up i grabbed it with both hands and hung on really really tight (laughs) and because it was so fun and because the the fans and the fandom that we sort of like created around the podcast was so great I started doing lots more podcasts. It was uh, it was kind of an addictive experience that, that having a community around you is, is something that just makes you wanna keep going.
0: And how did the opportunity to
1: start Verity come along? Um, that was Twitter. Thank you, Twitter. Uh, as so many good things in my life, <laughs> Twitter was at the root of it. Uh, Lynn Thomas is one of the other Verities on our podcast. Her husband is an instigator of epic proportions. <laughs> and um, so there are a, a few people, Deb Stanish, who's my hockey podcast co-host and our, our Verity sort of moderator. She has been complaining for years that there had there aren't enough female voices in podcasting, Dr. Who fandom, many, many female voices in fandom in general, but the podcast landscape was almost entirely dudes. So she, I guess, had just complained about this at one too many convention bars, and was complaining about it again on Twitter, and Michael popped up, and he's like, Deb, you need to stop complaining about this. You should just start a podcast, and I think these people can help you. And he tagged Kat, and me, <laughs> and Lynn, of course, and uh, Tansy Rain Roberts, and Liz Miles, and so we ended up with exactly the people that he tagged in that tweet as the cohort on Verity because everybody (laughs) said yes (laughs) and it's been great. That is awesome.
0: So mm-hmm. then when did you become aware or how did you become aware that Verity had fans that were not your, already your friends and family?
1: Well, Verity was a little bit of a special case because we had a huge leg up um, in, in having some people who are already known in certain fandom circles. <clears throat> I was not one of those people. Um, but at the time, I think Tansy had already won a Hugo Award for fan writing and is also a novelist in Australia. So she had a bunch of fans and her podcast has since won a Hugo Award or two Um, she was uh, a galactic she is on galactic suburbia that has been around since longer than Verity Lynn M. Thomas is uh, a well-known science fiction archivist. So she actually like um, takes care of the papers of a lot of like many science fiction authors that you may have heard of, like the kind of stuff that will stick around after they sadly pass on. <laughs> so so she was kind of known in the community for that. And she was also a co-host of the SF SqueeCast, which is now defunct, but which won the first two ever Hugo Awards for, um, for the podcast or FanCast. So so we had that coming in. But, you know, not everybody who follows a person is going to follow them to to every podcast. So once again, it was really kind of Twitter that helped us sort of know that there were a lot of people out there because we got a ton of feedback from people sort of right off the bat. Um, either being excited that the podcast was coming or excited the podcast was there. Uh, but I think for us, one of the biggest things has been having comments, and I hate to say this because it's a dangerous thing, but having comments on our website. There are a lot of websites out there that are ditching comments because the internet is full of terrible people. But but I assure you, there are still really great people <laughs> out there on the internet. And we have somehow been able to develop this community that has been just interesting in the way that they interact with each other everybody is respectful and open and friendly when they're communicating with each other on our website and even when they're not agreeing about things which happens pretty often because hell we don't even agree with each other on the podcast so (laughs) how would you expect the listeners to so we've we've been very careful about the way that we have comments work on the website we're not big enough that we're getting like huge amounts. So it's pretty easy to make sure that all the comments are verified first. Um, But we use WordPress and just the basic plugin way that we are using to do that is, I think it's the first time or two that somebody comments on the site, the comment has to be moderated and let out of a queue to appear on the site. And then after that, they're pretty much good to go unless they are putting a bunch of links in. So sometimes, even if it's somebody who's been commenting for a long time, if they put a bunch of links in their comment, I have to let it out of the... Comment jail before sure it'll appear. Not just a, a link builder or spam Yeah, guy. but the, I have had to trash. I don't know. Probably like I can probably count on my hand. Like how many comments that I've had to trash over the course of the five or six years.
0: I do feel like it's some fandoms lend, have a community that is happy to comment and more than others. And mm-hmm. so it might still not be the case for all of your podcasts. Very true. Yeah. I feel like hockey, people seem to still... I mean, you look at the, the comments under an Oilers Nation mm-hmm. um, blog post... And it's like hundreds, right? Yep. So those guys still like to be there, and um, and I feel like your your mm-hmm. people still like to be there, but a lot of the other um, conversations migrated to Twitter. I feel like mm-hmm.
1: one thing that you can do to encourage that is we actually put a call out at the end of every single episode of Verity there's a a call to action so we say you know thanks for listening and then Deb will go into her, her little spiel and say so what do you guys think and she'll ask two or three specific questions about whatever we talked about on that episode and say you know do you think that this story was a real success in this way or did you find it problematic in these ways you know please come to our website and let us know or you know if if it's a an episode where we're talking about sort of more personal things like what what we have done or stuff that we like then we'll say what about you what you know what are your favorite things what should we be reading that kind of thing and that I think helps a lot because you're giving them you're not just saying hey please come leave a comment on our website you're saying please come to our website and tell us this specific thing
0: and then are you interacting with them there, too? Are you saying, we, oh, that's a really good idea, or I didn't know that? We try to,
1: and we've gotten, all of us have gotten very busy, as you know, like Kat started another podcast, <laughs> and I've got a whole bunch more. Um, so I have noticed for sure that when we are actually there interacting and speaking back and forth, there's a lot more people that come and comment when it gets to be a busy spell, or it's summertime, and we're not like around all that time. Actually, it's winter for Tansy, because she's in Tasmania, but, <laughs> but they it's sort of like the 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 comments sort of taper off as as we taper off so um being interactive and being um accessible to actually like respond to them is a really really helpful thing to actually keep that sort of fandom community going
0: yeah now your fans also have the benefit of um getting together in real life a lot at conventions, right? Doctor Who people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's that like, what, what's your experience with interacting with Verity fans in real life?
1: It has been so great, Um, like hearing about the Northern Nerdcast and and you guys having great experience with people. And that is, I don't know if it's just geeks in general or if it's podcast listeners or what, but they're such great people. Uh, We have done a couple of meetups at conventions where instead of just doing a panel, which we also try to do a panel, we've scheduled some time in a room to just say, just come on and hang out and... You know we'll just we'll just chat and then we you know circulate through the room and we were really wondering is it going to be us and our, you know, spouses and significant others just hanging out and chatting. But no, we ended up like overfilling the room both of the times that we have have done this, and you know, made it. Uh, I, I did not get a chance to talk to my fellow Verity co-hosts at all during that entire hour of those meetups because everybody was just making sure that we were really getting around the room and talking to every single person. So if you do something like that, I recommend. You know, if you're if you're like in kind of an introvert like I am, don't do the thing that your gut is telling you to do, and like go talk to the three people that you already know in the corner, (laughs) and just let everybody else sort of hover around the room, because chances are, if they're podcast listeners, and especially if they're geeks. They, their, their gut's probably telling them the same thing, and it's important to to get FaceTime with those people if you have a chance to. And then another good thing is to talk about it on the next podcast and say, we talked to these people face-to-face, and we had a really wonderful time. And I just saw a comment from somebody yesterday or the day before who was saying that she... Would never have thought she would have come to a science fiction convention, and she's been to two Doctor Who conventions now, specifically because we talked about it on Verity, wow. and was just kind of like personally gobsmacked that she was able to do this and had just had a wonderful time. So I think that by being encouraging to your fans, you can like you know give yourself an, an epic level up in in the fandom experience because you can sometimes convince them to do something like that.
0: Which is also good. Another thing you can convince them to do is support your Patreon,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. That is is also a good thing. Um, And the way that we chose to do sort of the money-making aspect of Verity was we don't have anything that is accessible for people who give us money that's not accessible to any other listener. For us, it was especially being part of the Doctor Who community that had... Never had sort of that kind of an experience with podcasting before with the hundred plus Doctor Who podcasts that were out there. None of them except for like with one sort of notable exception had had tried to do anything like that. And that one exception was one of the earlier podcasts and it did not go over very well and kind of hurt the podcast the way that that happened. Nerds like like numbers in order. And if you tell them you can't get episode you know, 65 unless you pay for us. People will get mad. So um, make sure that you keep that in (laughs) mind if you're a geek podcast. But we so we just decided we're going to set up this thing to basically be a tip jar on the Internet. And if you like us and you want to support us and make sure we can keep doing this thing we love doing, feel free if you want, to shoot us a few dollars here and there. Uh, The only benefit that that gets you is if we're doing a giveaway, giveaways which we can only do because we get some income from Patreon, uh, then your name is already automatically entered into that. Otherwise, you have to leave a comment on the website to enter for it. So that's the one tangible benefit that any Verity fan gets out of being a patron. Otherwise, it's just anybody who feels like they want to support us, and quite a few people do. So that's that's a really nice thing. Although when you split something six ways, it's a lot less impressive than <laughs> it looks on the website.
0: <laughs> How about your other um, science fiction and fantasy related mm-hmm. podcast? What's, what's your interaction with the fandom mm-hmm. on that?
1: Um, yeah, I'm, totally repping the incomparable podcast network with my shirt here today which is another um it's it's a whole network but it started with the incomparable podcast that's like the flagship show and jason snell who was the uh the editor of macworld magazine for like 20 years or something like that had kind of a a tech following but decided he wanted to do a podcast that's just about stuff he likes so all kinds of geeky topics and people really were interested in hearing him and his geeky friends talk about that and he's done a lot of work to not only sort of bolster the fandom community around the podcast but to make sure that the podcast itself is as sort of inclusive and and fun and geeky as as he wants it to be so he he actually kind of headhunted me from Verity and <laughs> was like listen to Verity and was like oh I think she'd fit in so asked me to join the podcast and I was like sure I'll give it a try and it ended up because of this sort of community that he had already fostered I just felt like like a puzzle piece just sort of fitting into this this place that felt really perfect and he is very accessible on Twitter the incomparable um, Twitter handle is you know like you can tweet at it and Jason will tweet back at you if you ask a question about something Um, and if you're a jerk he will be snarky with you which is really (laughs) awesome and So so that has been fun. And we have, uh, because he has people from all over North America and a few people in the UK, um, there are lots of sort of pockets of people who can go and do uh, events, kind of like you were mentioning. So there's, there's been a decent amount of face-to-face communication as well. Um, the Now Hear This podcast festival, which started last year for the first time, a bunch of us went down and got to meet people who listened to the podcast. And again, everybody was just... Just really cool and really chill. And I mean, actually, I got recognized here in Edmonton. I went into district coffee and somebody was like, Erica? And I was like, hi. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I know you from The uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, my wow, God. That's cool. That's, yeah. And he was just, just a totally nice, nice person. So. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to our chat with Erica Ensign at the
0: Edmonton Podcasting Meetup. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by ATB Financial, founding sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network. I'm here today with my daughter, Elizabeth. Say hello. Hi. Elizabeth, you recently opened a bank account at ATB, did you not? Yes, you finally let me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was more like getting organized enough to do it, right? Right, right, mom. Why did you want so badly to have a podcast, to have a podcast, <laughs> to have a bank account that you would like um, get mad at me that it took so long? Uh, well, I was getting money from babysitting and birthday parties and whatever teenagers get money from. And I kept spending it because I didn't have anywhere else to put it. And it's kind of terrifying having... cash in your purse as cash. Um, And I figured that having a bank account would be a more organized way of keeping my money. And also that it would help me control my spending a bit. Because when you can see the money, you're like, oh my God, I have all this money. (laughs) But when you can't see the money, it's just like, yes, I have this money if I need this money. But I don't have to use it at the same time, which really helped me control my spending. Right, so we went down to the branch that's within walking distance of our house. Which is lovely. Which is lovely. And a nice man helped you set up your bank account mm-hmm. and gave you a card. Yes, he did. And now you know how to use the machine. Kind of. Kind of, with a little bit of coaching. It won't take long, right? Yeah. You've used yeah. it. You've bought stuff by yourself with your card. Yes, I have. Yeah, so are you a happy customer of ATB? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Find out how you can be ha- as happy as Elizabeth about having her money hidden at atb.com slash listen. So it feels like I'm trying to, to extract some lessons from mm-hmm. here. So if your, particularly if your podcast's um, potential or desired audience is not all local, it makes sense to make friends in in high places or at least mm-hmm. connected places, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if you're doing a podcast about a, a sort of specific thing and there's already a corner of the internet that is devoted to that thing, so if it's a Doctor Who podcast or a podcast about music or something specific and there are forums where people talk about that thing, Go to those places. Don't just go to those places and leave a link to your podcast because everybody thinks that looks really douchey. Go to those places and interact with those people because you like the same thing that they like. So get into those conversations, and then you know, and then you can mention, oh yeah, and I do this podcast about it. And that's a really kind of natural, organic way to sort of grow that part of your fandom. And um, you know, tweeting about things and interacting on Twitter or Facebook and social media with other people that are interested in that thing just about that thing not so much just about I have this podcast I have this podcast that's such a good way to do it because then not only are you you know talking up your podcast but you're getting to interact with somebody else who really likes the thing that you love
0: yeah and it's just it's reminding me of even like Gary Vaynerchuk's advice that you if you want something from somebody start by giving them stuff first right give Mm -hmm. give give and then ask Mm -hmm. that seems like um applicable to business but also
1: applicable Mm. to building a fandom yeah one thing that the incomparable has done that has been really cool and it is it is currently it's, it's just for for members. The Incomparable has a membership option where if you pay like five, ten, or twenty dollars a month, I think it is, you get to be an Incomparable member. And at the even baseline level of the membership, uh, Jason has started a Slack um, group. And I don't know if you're familiar with Slack. It's it's sort of a kind of closed garden social media almost. I mean it's it's used by a lot of companies for productivity for communication within companies, but you can just set up a Slack group for free and it doesn't have to be something that you only give to members. You could do it just for yourself and and people who listen to your your podcast. And then it's a way where all the people need to sign up is an email address. So you don't, you know, you don't have to give away the the family jewels in order to join this thing. But then it's a place where you can go and you can create separate channels within it so if you are a a music podcast you could have you know one channel for punk music and one channel for sound engineers and one channel for for whatever that sort of thing and so Jason's got one set up with you know there's a movies channel and there's a comics channel and there's one for each of the podcasts that wanted to set up their own so people who are members have this place where they can basically like play and hang out and share links with each other and stupid gifs or gifs depending on who you are and (laughs) and and it's just it's it's one of the things i think that has brought in more people to to give money to his podcast network than probably anything else it's just the ability to interact with all of those hosts um in a more enclosed space than on general social media because you have more sort of direct access yeah so now you have a hockey
0: podcast and mm-hmm. hockey definitely has fans but different from from um Doctor Who or Babylon 5 Mm -hmm. fans, I would guess. So what have you learned Mm -hmm. from your other experience that you're applying to Beginner's Puck? Uh, most of the fans
1: are guys. <laughs> and, and I don't necessarily mean that in general of hockey, but certainly for us, uh, we, have, we have our own little Slack channel on the Incomparable Network's member Slack. And almost everybody that participates in there are, are dudes, which is, you know, fi- they're wonderful guys. And let me tell you, you know, sports geeks are geeks just as much as Doctor Who geeks or Babylon 5 geeks are. Like, you know, they can tell you things, very specific things about <laughs> statistics or uniform embroidery from 1923. <laughs> or something like that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> as I pointedly look at our producer. Mm-hmm. And it's, the enthusiasm is still there. It's sort of like that is sort of the baseline of of the fandom, the, this core of enthusiasm for, for what is happening. The goal of Beginner's Puck is to get sort of more new people into into hockey, specifically women who quite often are felt like they're left out of the conversation when it comes to to that sort of thing. I listen to other hockey podcasts and Every well, actually pretty often, I just find myself kind of groaning inside being like, oh, you didn't mean that to sound so terribly gatekeepy and sexist, but it really came off that way. So we are trying to find, you know, more women who are interested in sort of getting into that space, but it's it's kind of a a really slow slog, especially when you are sort of known in one circle or, you know, for geeky stuff and then start doing a sports podcast. Not a lot of people are just going to automatically cross that road and come with you. So we've really had to do a lot of just sort of the, the building of the fandom ourselves. So being on Twitter and reaching out to other females who are on Dr. Not Dr. Who, sorry, <laughs> hockey podcasts. Yeah. Um, so that has that's actually been an interesting way to do it. And we haven't started yet, but we're trying to do some sort of like cross not so much promotion as pollination mm-hmm. like find women to be a guests on our podcast and you know if we're lucky maybe some other people will ask us to guest on their podcasts um, reaching out one of the things we plan is to reach out to some like slightly more high profile people who might be interested on guesting on a podcast and I'm not going to say any names because if we don't get them it's going to look really sad when I listen to this <laughs> later <laughs> but you know some talking head type you know, sports pundits, that sort of thing. Because the worst they can do is say no. Yeah. You know, you might as well reach out and just just ask nicely, and and that's another way too. Because if, if somebody who's got twenty thousand followers on Twitter guests on your podcast and they tweet about it, that's way more exposure than we were going to have for our little hockey podcast in any other way.
0: Yeah, and then and that I, I know a lot of people in this room have had each other on their podcast or other podcasters on their podcasts, and that's a, I mean, the, the number one way that someone discovers a podcast is on another podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So you really have a, a really great chance of, of um, growing your fandom by reaching into the fans of others.
1: Yep, yeah, it's such, because, I mean, It's hard to find somebody like just a random hockey fan on the street and be like, hey, this is my podcast, because even if they're interested in hockey, they might not even know what a podcast is. So going to the place where people already understand podcasts is a really good way to start. As a podcast fan, Mm -hmm.
0: because you are also that, yeah. yeah, although I feel like just listening to your own
1: should fill all your available listening time, but clearly not, right? I've I've had to stop listening to all the podcasts that I'm on. I tried to do that for a long time just to sort of improve myself as a podcaster, and there are literally just not enough hours in the day (laughs) anymore.
0: But as a fan then, Mm -hmm. what makes you love and wanna support a podcast either by subscribing to it or even um, supporting it with money?
1: It's usually sort of one of two things. the The biggest thing for me is sort of just the feeling that I feel like I know the podcast host, which I don't really because I understand how the internet works. But but that feeling of of being welcomed into their their living room or their recording studio every time that they're they're on and they're sort of doing this this chat style podcast is are tend to be the ones that I like the most. Um, that makes me want to support them because I feel like this is kind of like a, in quotes, friend of mine on the Internet. So I will I will be much more willing to to give money to somebody that I care about. Once I care about somebody like that's that's how to get them. The other thing is, if it's a podcast that I feel is doing something important. So if it was a podcast like I think a lot of people for Verity are giving Money to Verity because they think that it's important that there be voices of women out there talking about something that's kind of like a a male dominated thing, and they want to make sure that that's that's a thing that continues. And I really appreciate that, and I feel the same way. If there's if there's a podcast out there that is covering something that I think needs to be covered. I financially support actually on Patreon a podcast called The 451, which is a podcast for the resistance. It's three people in the United States who started podcasting after President Trump was elected, talking about how they sort of get through it and things that they do to try to make the world a better place. I feel like that's really important and that's something that I'm willing to throw my dollars at, even if their sound quality isn't always 100% great.
0: (laughs) 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 what advice would you have uh, for people who start podcasts and feel frustrated because it
1: feels like no one is listening? Well, first of all, I would say, make sure you're doing the podcast for yourself first. Because if you aren't, and you're just doing it to, to get an audience and to make money, um, that's going to come through on the podcast. It is such an intimate medium. You are talking like you're like right in the ears of somebody. So, the human voice conveys so much more than just the words that are coming out. If you're not feeling it from your heart, people are going to get that and you're it's going to be much much harder to build an audience because they're not going to feel like you care about whatever it is as much as they care about it. And they probably care a lot if they're willing to listen to a podcast that they'd never tried before. So, that's the most important thing. And then if you start from that, I feel like it still kind of sucks. And I feel this with hockey fields because we don't have a super huge ton of listeners. Um, sometimes it is like, yeah, I, this is, I feel like we're doing such a good job at this point. I wish more people were listening, but I sort of just quiet that voice by saying, you know what, this is, I feel like we are doing something that's important. We might not have that many people that are listening, but the people who are listening really appreciate it. And we really appreciate it. And that's honestly just the most important thing. And every tiny little step that we take towards getting somebody else to listen feels way bigger than it is because it's something that i care about so much so if you are still doing those things to try to get your voice out there like taking those little steps communicating with other people online on social media um, you know you can't just do the podcast and put it out there and expect people to find it like that's almost no podcast is a magnet for listeners so you still have to put in the work But as long as you're putting in the work, I feel like that's kind of all you can do and you can feel good about that. You're so
0: wise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just been doing this a while, I guess.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word about the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. We are thrilled to have a couple of excellent soccer podcasts on the network. For Kicks is a passionate discussion of the Canadian women's national soccer team, plus all of the junior teams that feed into it. And Jessica and Katie follow the professional and college teams where the national team players play when they're not representing Canada. It's great. We also have Loyal Company of the River Valley, which offers a fan's eye view of FC Edmonton and Canadian men's soccer in general. Nate and Adam love the team so much and they love the sport so much and it really comes through. Find these and other members of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Do you guys have any questions for Erica?
1: I, I love the idea of getting feedback by asking specific questions. Mm-hmm. I know on the podcast that I do, I get very little feedback in terms of written feedback. Mm-hmm. But when I run into somebody, I go, oh, I love your podcast, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What would you do in terms of getting feedback? How would that differ with respect to someone listening through iTunes or Google Play? Um, there's, I mean, you can, for iTunes, you can ask people to, listen to to come and give you an iTunes review or something. But I don't feel like that's a great way to just be interactive because you can't really communicate back with them. So I do recommend having a place on the internet for your podcast as like an anchor point. So, you know, most people are going to listen through iTunes or Google Play, but if you have a place where they can then come afterwards uh, and and communicate with you, whether that be your Twitter feed, your Facebook page, um, a website that, that allows comments, um, or even just an email address, giving them someplace that they can come and and write back to you. Because it doesn't really matter too much how they get the podcast, because chances are most people aren't actually going to be sitting down at their computer when they're listening to the podcast anyway. It's it's giving them something with an easy... tag to remember or an easy website that they can, you know, then after they're done, when they're at their computer, be like, oh, right. I just listened to that episode of the Toastmasters podcast. I had this thought about it. If they know someplace that they can go to and and send you that thought, that's what's in, that's what's important. Um, I'm constantly surprised at how many people actually do click on the link on our website and just listen to it streaming from Um But percentage wise, it's, it's actually still a really small amount. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm
0: uh yeah oh trina's got one um
1: as far as posting things on social media goes to try and get an interaction Mm -hmm. what because i know like i've done some social media and i've had people tell me like you have to post so many times a day and and i feel like Uh that's annoying i don't want to see you just posting random things Mm -hmm. to try and get people interacting so how do you how would you go about it on your own social media Mm -hmm. because you said to go and you know get involved in other conversations but as far as posting things on your own social media to try and get some kind of mm-hmm. conversation started what would you suggest first of all i would like to tell the listeners that just as you asked that question about having to post a certain number of times a day i rolled my eyes and you <laughs> smiled <laughs> this is <laughs> so yeah i feel like anytime somebody tells you that there are rules for how you are supposed to do something with your podcast you can probably stop listening to that person <laughs> there are no rules in podcasting everybody's going to find their own way to do it you need to do what's right for for you for you and your people and personally as a social media consumer i really hate it when i see sites giving me like x number of links a day to things that you know maybe i don't care about they're trying to hit a quota so the the quality i feel like sort of goes down one thing i think especially the way that twitter works now um on twitter and you can do this on facebook or wherever is to retweet, quote retweet something that's content from somebody else. So somebody else has got a podcast that's similar to yours or a famous person who has done something that is in the wheelhouse of of your podcast. If you quote tweet it with a little bit about how much you love this thing or why you think it's a good thing, or hey people, have you checked this out? What do you think of that? You know, Asking for a question back from your followers but quote tweeting somebody else. Sometimes you'll not only get interaction from the people that already follow you who are also interested in that thing, you might even get noticed by the person that you were quote tweeting who may like retweet your quote tweet. God, I've said tweet a lot of times today. <laughs> um, but so that would get it to a bigger audience or maybe they'll respond to you and you started a new conversation with this person that you really admire. And I think that, that just retweeting or just sending out a link to something is not going to be super helpful. But if you are engaging somehow in a conversation around that thing, that's a really that's a really good way to do it it's also there's there's generosity at the yes. at the
0: uh, core of that you're giving somebody else attention and i feel like a really powerful way to get attention is to give it mm-hmm. and yeah. so um especially for those of you who have guests on your podcast you should be using your social media channels i think to promote the heck out of their stuff mm-hmm. um part- partly because it makes it look like it's kind of this guy that we just had on our podcast, kind of a big deal, but also um, gives them something, some reason to feel warm towards you and to send your stuff out. A lot
1: mm-hmm so yeah when you're using social media to try to create that community make sure that you're doing it in, in a thoughtful way and not a buy the numbers sort of a way mm-hmm. so whenever you tweet something you know it's fine to just retweet a link to something if it's something that you think that your community that you are really invested in so you think your community might be really invested in yeah it's I would say it's it's very much quality over quantity when it comes to that I mean if you're a giant website who already has hundreds of thousands of people sure go ahead and spam your followers with with, with a bunch of, of links to things, they're going to kind of expect that from like a big media type thing. But if it's just, you know, if it's just my hockey podcast, I'm not going to just be retweeting links from Sportsnet because like they could get that by following Sportsnet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Okay, Elise, come talk in the mic though.
1: So. Um, you mentioned uh, going to conventions mm-hmm. and so I was kind of interested in finding out about the, kind of the return on investment for conventions for you because I know I've gone to a couple over my time, and I come back, and I'm like, wow, that was a real money hangover that I'm dealing with here. Um, But I know it's also a really great opportunity to connect with some of those people, and you know, so yeah, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. My my very strong advice is probably don't go to a convention if if all you want to get out of it is expanding your audience and, and growing that way, because it's probably not going to and unless it's in town, if it's in town, by by all means do that or driving distance, but probably don't fly to LA for the Gallifrey One convention just to promote your Doctor Who podcast. I was going to that convention and other conventions as a fan first before I had even started podcasting. So if you think you're gonna get something else out of that convention, like just enjoying seeing the speakers speak and you know just talking to the community for yourself then by all means do that um and it is a really valuable way to sort of grow your listenership but it's not if you're going very far and it's going to cost a lot of money the return on investment probably isn't isn't the greatest um i have gone to actually the now here. this was the first Convention I ever went to that was that I'd never been to before, and I was just doing it like as, as part of part of podcast support, um, and it ended up being a really fun um, situation. But I don't feel like I got that much out of it in terms of you know finding new listeners and, and that sort of thing. It was it was more I just enjoyed going to the panels and hearing these podcasts, you know, do live recordings. I got to see Paul F. Tompkins up on stage doing his thing. Like, that was amazing. That in itself was enough for me to go. And I don't necessarily think I got that many new listeners, but that was sort of beside the point. Excellent. Okay. Um, Thank you so much, Erica. Thank
0: you. For sharing your wisdom today. If you go to wearecastria.com to the about page, you will see all the podcasts that Erica has a hand in. I think you have to add Beginner's Puck though.
1: I probably do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's some awards (laughs) that have happened since since
0: we've updated that. Um, You can also learn how to hire Castria if you want them to help you with your podcast. I do that. It is money well spent. They are awesome. And I will link to all her shows in my show notes in uh, seenandheardyeg.com. So watch for that in August. And if you have any questions, come and see me afterwards. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Seen and Heard in Edmonton podcast. You'll find links that we mentioned in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. And you can subscribe to the newsletter there as well. It comes out every couple of weeks, tells you what's going on. Many thanks to Variant Edition Comics and Culture for hosting our meetup and donating a door prize. You can learn more about this terrific store at VariantEdmonton.com. Thanks as well to Edmojis, which lets you add Edmonton-themed icons to your texts. You can learn more about that at Twitter.com slash Edmojis. That's E-D-M-O-J-I-S. Thank you to Cafe Rista for catering our meetup. Cafe Rista serves locally roasted coffee and delicious treats. You can learn more at CafeRista.ca and thank you to Castria for recording and editing this podcast. You can learn how Castria's award-winning podcasters help you at WeAreCastria.com. Join the Edmonton Podcasting Meetup at Meetup.com for details on future get-togethers. Thanks for listening.